Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. That's where we'll be this morning. And I'm excited for this story. I, I love this account of this woman and that we'll be reading in a moment. And we're going to include, we're, we're going to be in our series break for a couple more weeks. So today, next week, we'll be in our brave series. We have a hashtag, I am brave. And so that's one way that we help keep the message throughout the week. And it's really our desire as Luminous Church that we would keep this message alive in your daily life. It's why we're on Instagram. It's why we're on Facebook. It's why we're on social media. It's because we hope to encourage you and inspire you to live a life for Jesus throughout the week and every day. And so use this hashtag. If there was a brave moment in your life this week, maybe maybe you just went grocery shopping with five kids. You know, maybe, maybe you ventured out to do that. That's a brave moment. You should probably take a picture of that, hashtag that. Maybe you went to iFly with our community group last week. All four of us, there was actually 20 of us there flying, and they're all on vacation this week. But we were all flying, and maybe you were brave enough to get into that tunnel, and thank you, Chris, for offering your service and being a blessing to us. Whatever it was, we pray that you would hashtag I am brave, and throughout our series, that you would hashtag these to keep these in front of you. Bravery is something that we're talking about over several weeks. It's something that's not necessarily inside of us, right? Like, we don't all want to just be brave and conquer the world. Some of us do. Like, I did 10 years ago when I was 24. At 34, I don't want to conquer anything. I just want to go to my suburban house. I want to lock the door at night, and I just want to sit there and watch the NBA Finals. That's all I want to do. Maybe you're different. Maybe you're youthful. Maybe you're part of this generation, these millennials, and you want to conquer something and you can't wait to climb the next mountain. But I tell you, the older you get, the more that life settles in, the more comfort settles in, and, and you just don't want to be as brave anymore. It's why we need these messages. It's why we're here today, because we need to encourage you to be brave in your life for Jesus, in your life of standing up think that bravery is usually rising up against inaction and, and putting some action to that fear of inaction and just staying where you are. In 1955, December 1st, a, a, a young woman enters a bus, and as she does, she decided, I'm tired of inaction. I'm tired of sitting back in the back row of the bus. I want to sit right here. I'm just tired of giving up this seat, and I'm just tired. Rosa Parks changed history because of a brave moment. And she didn't think that she was going to change history. She didn't necessarily go out and set out to change history, although she was an advocate of the civil rights movements, an advocate of freedom so many times throughout her youth. But at this moment, in this day, she decided, I'm tired, and I'm going to do something. And I just want to ask you, Luminous, are, are you tired? 
Are you tired of watching San Antonio? Are you tired of them lost? Are you tired of them bound up? Are you tired of them being enslaved? enslaved? Are you tired of the 900,000 people who aren't in church this morning to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you tired of watching them give their life to themselves and not surrendering to Jesus? Are you tired of watching dead people walk around you? Are you tired of dead people walking around your neighborhoods? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It's, it's why I live and breathe. It's to worship God and make him known. I want to make him known to everybody around me. I want people to know Jesus. And I, I pray that I'm tired enough where I don't go to the back of the seat and sit down. I pray that I'm, I'm tired enough where I would actually sit on the front seat and say, I want to do something about this. I want people to come to know Jesus. In Matthew 26, there's a woman who is tired of seeing people just sit back. A woman who is brave in this moment. A woman who conquered all odds. Let's read it. Matthew 26, 6 through 16. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This woman has just done a very brave act. In the midst of a bunch of men sitting around Jesus... This woman had the, that desire to go in front of all of these men and break open an alabaster jar, which was a year's wage. A year's wage. For some of you, that's $10,000. For some of you, it's $600 in student loans. But for a lot of you, $60,000, dollars $100,000 broken in a moment on Jesus' head. And you can imagine the outrage of this moment. The outrage of why? Why this waste? This was an act of bravery by this woman. This was also an act of worship by this woman. And most importantly, it was an act of obedience by this woman. There are two parties here. We see two parties. We see those who are indignant those who are angry, and we see the one who made them angry. I want to talk about the first category of people today, the indignant people. You ever get mad in life? Any indignant people in here? Any indignant people on a Sunday morning? Like, what? We have to 
pay for the cupcakes this morning? I'm so indignant right now. I can't believe that. Maybe, maybe you're like me, where you've been in a worship service. And this, this lady is right behind you, and she is passionately pursuing Jesus, worshiping at the top of her lungs. And I get a little indignant, like, ooh, lady, can you just calm down a little bit? I'm trying to have my own worship around here. There's a little circle, if you didn't know, in worship, and, and your voice shouldn't travel past that circle. That's how it should be. And everybody needs to stay right there. Have you ever been indignant when you walked into a church service and maybe it didn't look like you were accustomed to and somebody was doing something that was uncomfortable to you? Maybe they were on their knees in the theater. Have you ever seen that where somebody was on their knees worshiping and praying? I, I can imagine you get a little indignant. You get a little like, whoa, man, it's not time to get on your knees, right? It's like it's time to stand up. I have felt like this many a times, many a times when I feel like people may be a little too passionate, a little too zealous. I'm the one who says, yo, calm down, settle down. Hey, one hand in worship, not two. I can't see the words, right? Please, for the love, right? We, we all do it. We all get a little indignant. And it's because of our preference. And when my preference is disturbed by somebody else's obedience, I get a little frustrated. Have you ever been to the movies with that one friend who loves to tell everybody about Jesus? Like, the, the movie starts at 7 o'clock, and he's right there, and he's sharing about Jesus again. I mean, literally, dude, can we just, for one night, not talk about Jesus? Can we just enjoy our popcorn, go see the movie, enjoy it, get our ears tickled, laugh? Like, even Jesus laughed. Even he reclined at the table. In fact, that's what they were doing, weren't they? They were reclining at the table with Jesus in Simon's house. They were hanging out, and this woman decides to break out into a worship service. Really? Like, you're really going to do that right now? Let's just eat. Just hang out. And then you're going to spend all of this money for this worship service. Like, seriously, we could do something else with that. You know, when our preference is rubbed, and we start to get a little frustrated. Extravagant love was being snuffed out by those who didn't want to get too carried away. And those who didn't want to get too carried away, and most times because they're planners. Right? Any planners in here? Right? And you got the planners. Like, we got the plan. Like, this is how it's supposed to go. This is the worship set. Oh, it's 25 minutes. Watch Julia sing in 26 minutes. We got a plan. Let's stick to the plan, please, people. Right? Maybe you have a plan. Maybe you're a planner. And you know what? These disciples are planners. They were planners. Their, their whole ministry was Jesus. With Jesus was to ministrate things and to make sure things function right and, and to spend the money adequately and be a good steward of it. And they had a plan for the jar. They had a plan for the money. And I think oftentimes our obedience to Jesus is snuffed out because you have a plan for your pocketbook. 
I have a plan for my pocketbook. Why would I give this money to that? Why would I do that? I have a plan. I need to stick to budget. We need to do this. And that's what the disciples were doing. They had a plan for the money. And one of the disciples, Judas, not only had a plan, but he had a love. A love for money rather than a love for Jesus. He had a love for money so much so that it affected his lifestyle. So much so it affected the way he treated things. You know, I mean, we, we oftentimes do this. I, I have plans. I get indignant. I like money. I like all this stuff. And I have a plan. The other day, we were at a money seminar. I thought it would be a good idea to take a whole staff to a money seminar. Like, you know, I mean, y'all are all on support. Let's find out how you can, you know, provide for yourself and get rich, you know. Let's do this. So we go to this money seminar, and, and I thought it was going to be really good. I thought they were going to give us some good tips on how to make money, right? Anybody been in one of those? You making any money? Little? Okay, awesome. Keep making it. Please, tie So do that. But man, so we had a plan. We we're going to make money and all this stuff. And, and what I began to realize is that their strategy to make money, their plan to make money was to capitalize those on, in, during in unfortunate situations. So their plan was when somebody is vulnerable, that's when you come in and you sneak attack. Like, right? That's when you come in and sneak that. Like, when they're vulnerable, when they're going through a divorce, then you go in there and say, hey, I'll give you this much money for your house. When, they, when, they're, when they're on their deathbed, hey, you know, let me just buy that house so you don't even have to worry about it later. When, when they're going through some kind of emotional distraught situation, that's when we're going to move in. And it's just, it was a picture to me. You see, I'm not, I don't live my life a lot in, in the marketplace, I live my life a lot in coffee shops around other Christians. It's really sad. And that's what I do. So I don't, I don't really understand what the world's like sometimes. But I was getting a picture. I was getting a picture from this little seminar. People love money so much that they're willing to make it off of anything. And that was Judas. Judas loved money so much. He wanted money so much. He was willing to profit off of any circumstance. Any circumstance. The second party in this story, the worshiper. The one who was willing to give it all away. Verse 10 through 12. Let's read that again. Aware of this, Jesus said to him, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. She was preparing me for burial. She was one of the only ones who was in tune with the Holy Spirit. She was one of the only ones two days before Jesus was to be crucified to realize that, that my king has yet to be anointed. My king has yet to be anointed. You see, kings were anointed. Saul was anointed by Samuel. Kings were anointed. And here Jesus was unanointed. And here's a moment where she begins to anoint his head. And as she does, she begins to worship him. And a fragrance was given upon his body. 
Ephesians 5, 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love this picture that, that Jesus gives himself up as a fragrant offering. As a fragrant offering, and this woman anoints him with a fragrance to prepare him for this offering, for this sacrifice. Matthew 27, 55, there were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, Galilee ministering to him, verse 56, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the son of Zebedee. In verse 55, they came to minister to Jesus. They came to minister to him. Synopsis, the, the, the synonym here is Worship. They came to worship Jesus. They came to minister to him in his needs. They came to take care of him. You see, we were always meant to minister and worship Jesus. It's why we were created to worship him. And at the end of his life, they were going to minister to him, going to worship him, going to present these fragrances to him. It was much how Jesus' life started in Matthew 2, 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. They offered him these gifts. They offered him this frankincense. You see, Jesus, as, as he was understood, is that he is supposed to be worshipped, and he deserves our worship, and our worship to Jesus, ministering to Jesus, is giving him a gift of frankincense. And that's how he started in this world, and it's how he also left this world. Is that fragrance touched his body. Fragrance was given to him. Fragrance came to him. But how do you know it wasn't popular for the woman to do this? The woman comes in, and as she does this, as she worships Jesus, as she begins to anoint his head in burial, what begins to happen? Everybody begins to attack her. They start persecuting her. Have you ever had an act of bravery for Jesus and you've been persecuted for it? Have you ever faced persecution for following Jesus? In 2007, I met this young lady named Sarah. Sarah came to Mid City's church. It was the house that I come from. And, and as we're there in this church, Sarah comes up and I meet her. And they talk about her journey in China and just how it was a rough journey. And I shook her hand and I met her and I was like, man, you're so awesome. That's sweet. And then after I met her, I saw this video. I want to share Sarah's story with you. From what I would go through that night, the Bible says, do not fear. 
I have read this many times. But tonight, I would be very afraid. Soldiers do not ask questions. They do not tell me why or where they are taking me. I am still in my pajamas. I feel humiliated and completely helpless.
use my chains, I walk. Time has begun to slow. I begin to wish I have signed the document. I cry out to God to give me strength and wonder how much more I can endure. Hours have passed when I notice the footprints on the floor. They are my footprints and they have been made from walking in the trail of my own blood. I think of Christ and how he was beaten before walking to Golgotha. How he must have also left a trail of his own blood. He also was hated by this world. In a small way, I now suffer for him. I am not alone. I am with Christ who worked this path for me. And this gives me the courage to go on. You know, it's crazy. Persecution. In China, there's 19,000 people were persecuted last year for their religious faith. The government trying to send a document to sign, to deny, to deny Jesus. That's all she had to do is deny Jesus and you're free. It's crazy how much persecution was there. And as I look at Sarah and look at her life, I just see, I just see so much joy. You should see her. This, this woman is filled with joy. You know, you're always filled with joy. When you're a victim of extravagant grace. And when you receive extravagant grace, you love extra extravagantly. You love in such a way that, that you're willing to do anything. You're brave. You know, Judas, as he was in 14 through 16, says, The one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. And asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity, opportunity, opportunity to hand him over. Judas realized that when Jesus was no longer profitable for his pocketbook, then he was done with him. You know, you have the planner who has it planned just right. And they're not going to move out of the plan to do something brave for God. If it's not in the plan, I'm not going to do it. And then you have the other person who's not a planner. Who's like loosey-goosey. You're just going to go everywhere. doesn't care. And that can also be dangerous because you can just sit there and never do anything brave either. I really think that those who are brave when it comes to Jesus or those who are obedient. I remember God says, 
I desire obedience above sacrifice. I want you, Luminous Church, to hear my voice. If it's worship with your hands open, if it's worship with your eyes closed, if it's worship by just loving your wife well this week, and loving your husband well this week, if it's worship by, by telling a neighbor about Jesus, if it's worship by, by missing the 7 o'clock movie and going to the 7.15 one, would it kill you? You know, I don't know what God's calling you to. I don't know what kind of life he's called you to. But I do know there are some brave people around the world. I hope Sarah's story of her bravery would encourage you this week. I was made to be brave. I was created to be brave. I was created to love Jesus and pursue him passionately. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? You know, one prayer that I just would love for you to pray over yourself this morning would just be this song. But do you close your eyes with me? Would you forget about your one foot circle around you, your radius? And would you sing this song as a prayer this morning? you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org.